Welcome. This is Birth, baby. Your hosts are Sierra Morgan and Samantha Kelly. Sierra is a birth doula, hypnobirthing educator, and pediatric sleep consultant. Samantha is a birth doula, childbirth educator, and lactation counselor. Join us as we guide you through your options for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey. Welcome back to Birth, Baby. Today we're going to hear about Samantha's birth stories and how she got into birth work. Samantha, now that we've heard about my journey, let's hear a little bit about yours. Yeah. Um, gosh, where to even start with my birth story? Um, so I also have two kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So I'll start off with my uh, with my five-year-old and what that kind of looked like. On New Year's Eve of 2016, I took a test that morning because I had a party that evening and wanted to know if I should drink or not. And it turned pink. It said pregnant. And I, I had woken up really, really early. Uh, my sister-in-law had stayed with us that night, so she was like sleeping in the living room. I had woken up really early to take this test, and I come like running back into the bedroom, and I'm like, David, David, it's, I'm, I'm pregnant. I have a baby, and he's like dead asleep. And he's like, yeah, that's great, babe. <laughs> a little more enthusiasm, please. A little more enthusiasm, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that was kind of how I found out I was pregnant. It was, it was really exciting. Um, uh, I was nannying at the time and my nanny mom had also just had a baby. So I decided to go to the same OB that she went to because she really loved her. I didn't know anything about anything. So that was where I decided to go. Um, and I absolutely loved this doctor. <laughs> she was so sweet. She was so kind. Um, and then about six weeks later, we found out we were moving to Texas. Um, at this point, we had been living in Colorado. So we found out we were moving to Texas and I was going to have to start all over. So I started researching OBs. I started asking my friends that lived in Austin um, about OBs. And then eventually I just went to Google and picked the first name off the list and signed up with that OB. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't <laughs> do that. Listening, don't do that. <laughs> the first one on the list is almost never a good idea. Um, so I, you know, I went to this OB. It was my, you know, my pregnancy with him was was fine. In my first trimester, I was pretty tired. I had a lot of food aversions um, and a lot of cravings. I remember we drove by a KFC one time, and I just burst into tears because I wanted mashed potatoes so badly. And my husband would would go to the store and would bring me home pickles every time. So that was kind of my that was kind of my life uh, for the first trimester. And then from there, my pregnancy with, with him was was pretty easy um, up until about the third trimester. Uh, in my third trimester, I kept getting high blood pressure readings when I was at the OB's office. They, you know that you would walk into the office for your, you know, monthly, I think at this point it was every other week. And pretty much every single time my blood pressure would be a little bit on the high end when I got there. And then they would take it again at the end of the appointment and it would be back to normal. So I think it was, you know, looking back on it, I think it was probably a little bit of like white coat syndrome happening there. Um, but that was kind of there in the back of my mind. Um, 
you know, kind of bouncing around. My OB wasn't too concerned about it, but they were doing, you know, weekly urine tests just to make sure that nothing else was going on. Um, and they had told me all the things to watch out for with high blood pressure. Uh, and so let's see, this was, this was 2017. Um, Hurricane Harvey was hitting the coast at about this point in time. And I was 38 or 39 weeks pregnant at this point. And I remember the day that Hurricane Harvey hit the coast, I um, had this crazy, like, I, I don't know if it was vertigo or what was going on, but I was driving down the road and my, like, my vision just kind of started going like black. I got this like really crazy headache. And so I got home and I took my blood pressure because I had a, a home blood pressure monitor and my blood pressure was really, really high. So I um, called my my cousin and had her come take me to the ER um, and because my husband was at work and couldn't leave at that point. And so I had her take me to the ER and I got there and... Um, you know, they put me in triage, they took my blood pressure, and it was high when I got there. It wasn't near as high as it had been when I was at home, but it was high when I got there, and we were kind of just, we didn't know if they were going to keep me and try to, you know, induce because of my high blood pressure, or if they were going to um, just, you know, let things die down. And so they ended up saying that I could go home. Um, the hospital was crazy that night because there were all these people from Houston that were here trying to have their babies. And also everybody in Austin was having babies, I think just because of the pressure changes. Um, and my OB actually said something about that the next week when I went to see her, she said, yeah, sometimes with like the, the pressure changes in the, in the environment, you, your blood pressure can go up with that too. Yeah, it's funny. I never believed in the pressure changes of the weather and things like that. I always thought that was so silly because, again, you guys, I make grocery lists while doing yoga. And I believe it now. I'm a believer. Like the moon and the weather and storms. If I'm going to sleep at night and it says it's going to storm that night, I'm like, one, medicate the dog. Two, make sure you go to bed early because a mama might go into labor tonight. It's a thing. Somebody's having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It was so it was so weird. Um, so that happened the next day. There was some like big UFC fight and my husband and I were like, Hey, you know, what would be fun. We should go watch this UFC fight. We don't watch UFC. I don't know why we thought this was a fun idea, but we, we went to, uh, what's, what's the, uh, Pike's peak. No, not Pike's peak. Like, like a Hooter style place. Yeah. You know, we went to one, we went to one of these places. Twin it was peaks. Twin peaks. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Not we a commercial to- for Twin Peaks. <laughs> We went to Twin Peaks. I'm massively pregnant. Um, there's not a single table or chair in the place. It's just like standing room only. And I'm hugely pregnant trying to watch this fight that I give absolutely no cares about. And uh, this, this uh, the bouncer from the bar walks over with this stool and is like, I brought this for you to sit on. So I just sat in a corner the whole time and watched this fight. And then we drive home and the storm had hit Austin at this point. Like 290 was awful. Like the wind was blowing so heavy. The rain was coming down. It was crazy. And I went home and my husband and I just thought this was absolutely hysterical that this is what we did before um, before we had our baby. Just went out in this crazy storm to watch a fight that we didn't care about. One of mine was we got invited when I was 40 weeks and something to a birthday party at an axe throwing place. 
And I went thinking I wouldn't even participate, but I totally did. So here I was fully term and throwing axes and all the people working there. Yeah, the people working there was like, <laughs> if you go into labor here, you have to name it like Axel or something. I was like, yeah, we're not having a baby tonight. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was really great, honestly. And I look back on it and just laugh because I think it was awesome. Um, so, you know, going forward, I... Yeah, still, every time I went to the OB, I was getting that high blood pressure reading. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't really have any strong feelings about a birth plan. I hadn't taken any childbirth education classes. Um, I think we had done something through like Baby Center on an app on my phone, and that was it. Um, so I didn't really know a whole lot. We had gone back and forth on if I was going to have an epidural or not. And then my um, OB nurse was like, I don't know why anybody would ever do it without an epidural. Like, just get an epidural. You'll have a better time. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that probably makes sense. So um, I really didn't have a whole, a whole lot of feelings. I thought maybe I wanted to try to do things a little bit more naturally. Um, but I would probably do the epidural at some point in labor. So... When my OB called me on a Sunday morning, um, she, I remember I had to walk out of church to take her call. I walked out in the hall and she said, hey, we have a spot available for you to be induced on Tuesday. Do you want it? Um, this was my due date. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I want it. That sounds great. Um, so I signed up for an induction on my due date. And that was that was kind of what we did. I had been doing everything I could to try to get this baby out. My parents had come into town. Um, we were walking every day. It was September in Texas, so it was miserable. Um, it was so hot. And we were we were just walking all over the place. I was doing everything I could to try to get this kid out. Um, and you know nothing was happening because i was 39 weeks pregnant he did not want to come out yet yeah do you look back now that you're a birth worker and go why did i do that oh because yeah i do i do that about with my son i'm like why was i taking castor oil at like 40 weeks and six days that's so silly like just give him time <laughs> but, yeah but when you don't know what you don't know absolutely yeah there was there was nothing happening oh i guess i i should mention um at my 36 week appointment i consented to a cervical exam and at this cervical exam um you know my ob checked me and she popped her head up and was like oh my gosh you're two centimeters dilated and i was like whoa i was like what is what does that mean she's like well maybe it means that you know that baby's gonna come a little bit on the early side and i was like oh gosh and it freaked me out so bad i went and i got in my car and i called david and i was just bawling so i was like we're gonna have this baby before we're ready i don't know what to do um so i'm sure that probably also added to my <laughs> to my high blood pressure because i was just freaked out so we had that um you know that kind of in the back of my mind as well um and so when we went in for our I guess the day before our induction I went with my mom and my mother-in-law to the domain and we walked around and we had a lot of food and it was just this really really great day um I had donuts from the donut truck that lives at the at the domain that I love so much um and we kind of hung out there for the day we had dinner with my entire family uh, my husband's grandfather like they all kind of gathered around me and did this really sweet prayer of just praying over me and my baby and it was it was really precious and then david and i went to target and we picked out board games to play in labor because we decided that was how we were gonna spend labor as if i didn't love y'all already i love that 
Oh, and the games we chose were ridiculous, like exploding kittens, the not safe for work version. That's what we chose oh to bring gosh. to the hospital. The nurses were probably like, I'm not sure they should have a baby going home. We them. need to give them a test to see if they're allowed to take their own baby home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Yeah. So uh, the morning of my induction, I had to be there at 6 a.m. We were planning to kind of start with um, with probably Pitocin. Uh, because I was already so dilated at this point. I was three centimeters, like 80% of phased. Like everything was looking pretty good for an induction. So um, I went in, I decided that because I was kind of already progressing a little bit. Um, and when they put me on the monitors, I was contracting, even though I couldn't feel it. I wanted to see if they could break my waters and if that would get labor going. So they said, sure, yeah, whatever you want. Broke my waters. Did, did, sorry to interrupt you. Did yeah. they, when they meant, when you mentioned that, did they like tell you pros and cons or did they just be like, yeah, sure. Okay. I was just Not curious. a thing. I had no informed consent throughout this entire thing. I didn't know that inductions increased my risk for anything. I didn't know breaking my water increased my risk for anything. I just knew that maybe if they broke my water, I could go into, you know, a more active labor pattern. And so that's what I did. Um, I knew nothing. So they broke my water. I got up and I walked the halls for about 45 minutes. And then I went back into bed and they checked me again. I was still the same. And so I said, okay, let's get the Pitocin going. So they hooked me up to Pitocin and I sat in bed and we played, uh, games. My, my parents came in, my, um, my cousin Amanda came in and we all just played exploding kittens and all of these ridiculous games. My dad brought donuts, which infuriated me because I could not have donuts and I love donuts more than I love anything in the world besides my family, probably. Um, but I, you know, we, we played games, we were laughing. I remember every, it's, it felt like when we were playing the game, every time it would get back to my turn, it was when I would have a contraction. And so I'd have to stop and I'd have my contraction and we'd go back around and then the same thing. So that was kind of how things were going. But I wasn't really doing anything. I was just kind of sitting there in bed. I was up in like like a seated position, um, just not really doing anything. The nurse would come in and check. They'd go up on my Pitocin. Everything was going really smoothly. Um, you know, the the contractions were intense, but they weren't like unbearable by any means. Um, and so at about noon, they checked me. And I was five centimeters. And she said, my nurse said, the anesthesiologist is down the hall and they're about to go take a lunch break. Do you want the epidural now or do you want to wait until later? And I said, let's wait. And then she walked out of the room and I said, oh, no, nope. I, I, I think I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. I would like to go ahead and get that epidural. No one can see me, but I'm making squinty, angry eyes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Somebody could have gotten me an epidural in that hour if I needed it. But uh, so I got the epidural. I honestly don't even remember getting the epidural. I don't remember being scared of it. Um, I don't remember the anesthesiologist. I remember absolutely nothing. Um, my husband was in the room. That's all I know. Uh, so I got the epidural. They got me in bed. They put me on, um, my nurse put me on the peanut ball and she kicked everybody out of the room. It's like, she needs to take a nap. And that's like, okay, fine. And I, I was really excited. So I did not really want to nap. I was just like super, super excited. Um, so I went to take a nap. I, about three hours later, um, I was still on the same side. So I guess I hadn't been like turned or anything. I had fallen asleep, but I hadn't turned over or anything. I 
uh, she came into the room and she was just kind of like checking and, you know, seeing how I was doing. Um, and I was like, so like, what, what comes next? And she's like, well, you'll start feeling this like kind of heavy feeling in your bottom. Like you really have to poop. And I was like, oh, I kind of have that. And she's like, no, you'll, you'll know. And I was like, well, but I, I think maybe I'm feeling something. And she's like, I don't think so. I said, like, okay, you're, you're probably right. And so I rolled over to the other side and I was like, oh, no, I really, like, I really feel something there. Like, there, I, I think I have to poop. Like, it's probably just a poop. I have to go poop. And she was like, oh, well, let me just see what's going on. So she checked me and she was like, oh, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, there's a, there's a baby there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so she's like, let's go ahead and we'll start doing some practice pushes. Um, practice pushes for anybody listening is just real pushes with the nurse. Uh, Did they call your husband back in? Because you said so you were Dave, alone. No, so David was there. He was in oh, the room. Okay. We called my mom because she was going to be there for the delivery and my cousin because um, we were also hoping she would be there for the delivery. I just um, wanted to make sure they didn't start practice pushing without David. Yeah, <laughs> no. So they, they, they called them all back into the room. I had this vision in my head. It's really silly of me pushing um, or when I delivered my baby, I wanted my hair to look like Rachel from Friends. So I needed my cousin to come back in the room and braid my hair before I started pushing. You would. That's hilarious. It cared. was so ridiculous. <laughs> Did you have a photographer there or was Amanda just going to was Amanda was going to be my photographer. <laughs> yeah, I had also, for anybody wondering, I had also painted my nails to match the um, hospital gown. The hospital gown is this terrible green color. I, it was awful. <laughs> so ridiculous. So um, so everybody came back into the room. I did exactly one pra- practice. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing quotes here. I did one practice push and she said, oh, my gosh, stop. I was like, what? She said, we cannot practice push. Your doctor is not in the hospital. You like this baby is going to come out if you push anymore. I was like, oh, OK. Um, and she she said that I could only have two people in the room. So Amanda had to leave. Um, which was really disappointing to me. I was really bummed about that. And then uh, my mom and uh, David were going to be there with me. And I just remember my my doctor's um, office was about 15 minutes from the hospital. So there was just this really weird like point in time where the nurse was there and I could tell she was a little bit squirrely about it because whatever was happening, I didn't know what was happening, but whatever was happening meant that the baby was like really close. Um, and David was running back and forth between me and the hospital bed and the window because our window overlooked the physician's parking lot. So he's running back and forth between the window and me waiting to see if he could see our doctor arrive. And uh, then our doctor came up and she like threw on her gloves really quick and her gown and she sat down. She's like, OK, start pushing. And I started pushing and it was just like this like. I don't know, this curtain came over me and like I I was just in this like labor land, I guess. And um, I started pushing. I pushed for about 10 minutes. Um, And I remember while I was pushing, I got really, really, really anxious and felt like I couldn't breathe. And so they gave me oxygen um, because I I think I requested. I said I need something. So they gave me oxygen. and I remember there was something with the baby's heart rate. They weren't really telling me a whole lot about that, but I knew that I needed to get the baby out. So I pushed for about 10 minutes and he came flying out in one big push. Um, Don't hold that against her, anyone. I, st- I still like you, <laughs> Sam. I just, I'm just i so sorry. We all wish that we could do that, right? It was crazy. Um, 
he came he came flying out and he came they they put him on my chest and it was just so emotional i was crying david was crying and then and then NICU was there because he had really low APGAR scores. Um, he was not crying very well. He was really purple. He was grunting is what they said. He was, he was really, really grunty. And so they had to take him over to the table. And I like, I remember right before we had started pushing, I had looked over at David and I just had this feeling. I said, David, if he has to go to the NICU, you have to go with him and I'll be fine here. But if he goes to NICU, you go with him. He said, okay. And so NICU came in the room and they were, um, you know, kind of working on him. They were helping him clear his lungs. And then um, they told me that he was going to have to go to the NICU because of his APGAR scores. And at this point, I was honestly just, I was high on, on all the birth hormones and I did not care. I think in my mind, maybe maybe it was just something had prepared me for this. But in my mind, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's going to be fine. Um, and so he went to the NICU. David went with him. Uh, my mom stayed in the room with me while I got stitched up. I had a third degree tear because I pushed him out in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, see everyone who it takes a long time. Don't worry. <laughs> I always yeah. tell people that they always think that they are supposed to push their babies out so quickly. And I'm like, there's a benefit to it going a little more slowly. You tear Truly. a little bit less usually because your body stretches. So yeah, yeah. pros and cons to super fast births. Yeah, I had I had a lot of stitches. And I remember as I was like, the doctor was sitting there stitching me up and I was just like cracking jokes. The epidural was was hitting real good. I had all those birth hormones. I'm like cracking jokes. I looked at my stomach and I was like, oh my gosh, I can like, I can see you down there. I couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to see you 10 minutes ago. And she's like, yeah, definitely thought I was high out of my mind, I think. But uh, I was just, I was feeling good. And so... They got me all stretched up. I sat back up in bed and then I got the shakes really, really, really badly. And they were like piling blankets on me. Um, David had had uh, gotten permission for my mom to come down to the NICU to meet the baby. So she went with him down to the NICU and my dad came in and sat with me while my mom was there. And so he was sitting with me um, and my, I guess it had to have been two hours later because my nurse came back in and said, okay, we, we need to get you up to go to the bathroom. I was like, oh, okay. Sounds, sounds good. Um, so she brought me to the bathroom and I, I, I guess I, I hadn't mentioned this. I lost a lot of blood during my delivery. So they got me up to go to the bathroom and she left me in there. Um, I was just, sitting on the toilet and she was gone. My dad was in the room. She wasn't even in the room. And I, I lost consciousness. I blacked out sitting on the toilet oh there. Gosh. I managed I, I, not to fall off. Wow. That's crazy. I forgot to mention too, that I lost a lot of blood with Anson. Um, I hemorrhaged pretty significantly, but I did not black out on the toilet. That's so scary. It was, it was really wild. And it was scary because I, I, I don't think I completely lost consciousness. Consciousness, it was maybe more of a brownout, but I couldn't see, and I was like, you know, leaning back, barely holding myself up, and I was just calling for help. And my dad knew that I, I didn't really want him to come in there because I was naked, bleeding on the toilet, and so he's like, you know, calling for our nurse. And my nurse, I, I have no idea where she was. This was a different nurse than who we had had during the day, but I don't, I don't know where she was. She was like down the hall 
you know, chewing the fat with her friends or something. I, you know, I hate to say it like that, but that's what it felt like in the moment. And even looking back, I, I don't really feel any differently. I, I felt very abandoned in that moment. Um, and so they got me back in bed. Um, and, you know, I, I was okay. I was definitely okay, but they did not want to put me in a wheelchair to bring me to postpartum. So they ended up rolling my bed to postpartum and kind of shifting me over that way. Um, and, you know, from there, I, I had not gotten a breast pump. They didn't bring me a breast pump when I was in labor and delivery. Um, I remember asking for one multiple times, but the same nurse was like, no, we can't bring those into labor and delivery, uh, which is not true, but she just, I don't know, didn't know where they were. Something was going on. So, uh, we got over to labor and deliver to postpartum. I got set up on the breast pump. We talked to the nurses um, and they said that he would probably be in the NICU for at least 24 hours for observation. Um, I they, they really didn't want me to go to the NICU yet because I could not walk. They said that I, I needed to be able to walk in order to go to the NICU. Um, and I kind of threw a pretty big fit about that and said I needed to be with my baby. So I convinced them to let me go into the NICU um, in a wheelchair. And, you know, I rolled in. And I got to see my baby and he was hooked up to a CPAP machine. He was hooked up to all these little monitors. Um, we weren't allowed to touch him because they had touch times. They didn't want to overstimulate him. So I just kind of had to sit there and watch him. Uh, and that was, that was really hard. That was, that was a really hard moment. And in that, you know, first day I just had a baby. I got to hold him for about 30 seconds before he kind of got whisked away. Um, it was really difficult for me. I was definitely coming down off of those birth hormones and that birth high. And so that was a tough moment. Um, we went back to postpartum and this is maybe the, the, the plus side to having a baby in the NICU. I got to sleep without having to worry about my baby in the room. I heard the people next to me, their baby was screaming all night long. Um, I had a, a, a timer set on my phone. I was going to go in and see him at every single touch time is what I had decided. So the, they had one at like 3 a.m. and one at midnight. And so I woke up to pump and then I would bring that milk down to the NICU and I'd get to um, hold him or touch him or do whatever it was I was allowed to do um, at that time. They had different, like I could hold him at one touch time, but not at another sort of a thing. So that was... That was kind of our NICU experience. Um, he was in there for, uh, I guess, 24 hours. And at 24 hours, they brought him back to our room and we were going to room in for our final night at the hospital. Um, and that was just really awesome. We had him in the room with us. My parents were there. They got to meet him and hold him with all the, all the tubes and the wires on him. Um, he had been on antibiotics for all of that for... I really don't I really don't know why he was on antibiotics even looking back I wish I could get those medical charts but he was on antibiotics and uh, I had I was really scared of thrush so I had gotten like a baby probiotic and I was taking that and he was taking that um, how old were you 24 I'm so impressed because I was 24 also and I had the nanny experience also but I wasn't thinking about any of those things. And then my daughter and I passed thrush back and forth for months and I was going crazy, uh, but I hadn't even, you know, that wasn't even on my radar. So that's kind of neat that you already I had the had, wherewithal to think about that. I had had a friend who had a baby. She had had a couple of babies um, before me. And so she had taken those uh 
had taken medication and gotten thrush, and so she had kind of told me what to expect there. Um, okay. So I was, going I was off the of that. first, the first of all of my friends to have babies. So that's probably I didn't really have a friend to tell me much. I had the nanny mom that I worked with, but um, yeah, that's probably the difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that was you know, that was kind of Micah's birth story. Um, at so I guess to add to that, going back for just a second. So he came in, he roomed in, roomed in with us. The next morning, we were getting ready to go home. We were supposed to be discharged, and they came back in and said his billy levels were really high, and he was going to have to go under the lights. And I freaked out because uh, they said he was going to have to stay at the hospital, and they didn't have a room for me, so I was going to have to leave him at the hospital. And so the nurse, the charge nurse had come in to talk to us about this. And my dad, thank God for my dad, he was there. And he said, isn't there a way that you can bring lights home? And the nurse was like, I have literally never heard of that. Uh, and she's like, well, let me go do some research and I'll see what we can find. Um, and he was like, okay, I just know that we brought lights home for my son 20 something years ago. So they exist. Um, and she's like, okay, I'll look into it. And so she looked into it. She found a program through Cook Children's that would give you um, Billy Lights as paid for completely through insurance. Um, the only uh, like kind of stipulation was we had to make sure to get him into his pediatrician the next day to test his Billy levels. So uh, we got released from the hospital. Um, we kind of coordinated with Cook's to make sure that the lights were going to be delivered at about the same time that we got home. And so they brought us these little like Billy blankets and he lived in his little bouncer for the first day that he was home with us um, on these Billy blankets. And then we brought him into the pediatrician the next day. Um, our, our, we, we'd see a family doctor and it was a Saturday that this happened. Uh, and so he wasn't going to be in office, but we had been texting him, uh, letting him know because he gave us his phone number when he heard we were pregnant. The man is a saint. Uh, Dr. Darren Geyer, for anybody listening and needing a family practice. This is a commercial for Dr. This Darren is a commercial. <laughs> yes, he's amazing. Uh, he came into the office for us like on a Saturday, opened up the office, tested his levels, and he looked at it and he was like, I, he did not need lights. He, his levels were at 12. He like They were borderline. You probably could have gone home and sat in the window and he would have been fine which was super annoying to hear, but he cleared us from having to have him on lights. So he really only had to be on the lights for about 12 hours, which was really nice. And so uh, from there, we were just kind of smooth sailing. Um, postpartum with both of my babies was really easy, was really uh, kind of straightforward. I didn't have a whole lot to, to deal with there. Um, yeah, that was, that was my birth with Micah. And then Briley rocked our world. What'd she do? How was hers? So we had decided that we wanted to wait just a little bit before we started trying to get pregnant with our second. Um, we had actually decided that we wanted closer to a two or maybe even three year age gap. Um, but at about, I guess I was 13 months postpartum, I was 13 months old. Um, I think just crazy came over me and I decided that I wanted to try natural family planning. Uh, I was still breastfeeding at this point. That's a very important note. So I decided I wanted to try na uh, natural family planning. I had a basic idea of when my ovulation was happening or so I thought, and I was tracking, uh, obsessively with a period tracker and, uh, natural family planning does not work well for people who are breastfeeding. Just in case you're wondering, uh, a month later, 
I went to a to a like a mom small group, a mops group, and they had a pelvic floor therapist come in and she was talking about uh, different things. And my friend leaned over to me and was like, so when do you think you guys are going to have another baby? And it was just this light bulb that went off in my head. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been nauseous for three days. I think I'm pregnant. And so I went home and I took a test and it was so bright. My period was not even due yet. Oh, yeah. 100%. My period was not even due yet. And I just cracked up laughing. And then I went to the Target and I bought like six more tests and I came home and I peed on them. And <laughs> they were all very, very pregnant. Uh, so that's how I got pregnant with Briley. Uh, that day, right? I had not told David yet. That day, we went to a play gym with Micah and the little boys that I nannied. And Micah fell and broke two of his front teeth. So I had to take my baby, my little 14-month-old baby, to the ER to have his teeth pulled. I'm newly pregnant. I'm sick. I'm a hot disaster. Um, the the nanny mom, who's one of my good friends now, she actually had to come pick us up and drive me there because she was afraid that I wouldn't be able to like see straight. And I just remember she pulled into the parking lot and I just had this overwhelming urge to just like scream out, I'm pregnant. That's why I'm crying so much. I didn't, but that's awesome. <laughs> so I'm not ridiculous. crazy. I'm not crazy. But Mike, you know, he was he was hurt and it was sad and we had to go to the ER. Uh, David rushed across town and we had to go through this whole thing. Micah had to be sedated and they had to pull his teeth. And at one point they were doing the sedation and I just got this intense wave of nausea, which I'd been getting for a few days at this point. And I had to go to the bathroom to like sit on the ground there. And a nurse walked by and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, uh, no, I'm pregnant and my baby is in the emergency room. I am not okay. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. And so that was that. Uh, I decided I did not want to tell David that day. So the exact opposite of Micah, where I couldn't hold it in for more than 30 seconds with Briley, I decided to hold it in for a day. Um, so the next day I pulled out one of the pregnancy tests and I was like, I think I figured out why I've been so sick. And then I just burst into tears because this was not planned. We really didn't want to have a baby at this point. We, we were trying to like get back on track financially and do all these different things. I was thinking through what I wanted to do in a, as a career at this point <laughs> and I was pregnant. So it was just really emotional. Um, I you know, when, once we kind of got over that, I knew that I wanted to do things very differently than I did with Micah. I just felt like I didn't have a lot of control over the situation with him. And also, this is really silly, but I got so many bills after I had him. I just kept getting all these bills. Some of them were were wrong. I got charged like his deductible and I wasn't supposed to be because we got discharged at the same time. And so I had to like fight that and it was all these different things. And just the idea that I had to pay so much money to have, you know, have my baby was really annoying to me. So that was part of my motivation in deciding to do things differently. I wanted to do a birth center. I had heard of Austin Area Birthing Center. Um, I wanted to kind of go that route. I knew what they charged and that made me really happy. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was, I would say my main motivation, having more control, but also knowing what to expect financially. Um, so I did a birth center with that. I, I hired a doula, um, also in my, you know, very frugal brain. She was a brand new doula and was looking for certification births. So I was one of her first clients that she booked. Um, 
And she was really, she was really great. I was pretty much just obsessed with everything that she was doing. She, you know, would come in and we, we had our, we had, I think we had two prenatals and she, um, you know, did exercises with us. She helped us build our birth plan. Um, I was very sick with Briley. I had um, what we think was probably hyperemesis. I was never officially diagnosed with that, but I was vomiting every day, um, you know, about once a day. And then I was just nauseous the whole rest of the day. I think I lost 50 pounds in my first trimester. It was really rough, really unhealthy, really, really unhealthy. Um, I was so, so, so thin. Um, so she was, my doula was kind of helping me figure out how to navigate that because she had also had hyperemesis with her pregnancies. So, um, for whatever reason, I was against medication for my hyperemesis. I, I really, I don't have any idea why, but when the midwives offered it to me, I said no, uh, that I wanted to figure it out on my own. So I kept kind of just trying to manage things. They put me on a high fat diet. So, uh, we went on a cruise when I was 14 weeks pregnant, and I just took that as an opportunity to eat ice cream at every, like, every time I passed by an ice cream machine, which was great. I put so much butter on all of my bread. It was wonderful, and I ate a lot of avocados. Living the life. Living the life, and I've continued that life. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, so I slowly started feeling a little bit better. Um, at 20 weeks pregnant, I got the world's worst stomach bug, and I... Uh, I, I felt like I had the hyperemesis all over again. I was, I threw up for three days straight. Um, I was definitely dehydrated and definitely should have called my midwives, but I did not. I thought I could manage it on my own. Um, and it was, it was just really, really rough. Uh, thankfully Micah did not get it. And my mom lived here by that point. So she came and took care of him while I just like lived in my room for three days being very sick, uh, with, you know, kind of towards the end of pregnancy, uh, we decided to take a birth education class this time since we didn't take one last time. It was something that the midwives had really kind of pushed. Um, so they had one through the birth center that was, uh, you know, reasonably priced and worked with our schedules. So we decided to do that. Um, it was not any specific method, but it definitely, the, the instructor was a Bradley method instructor. So it kind of leaned in that way. And it was really cool. It was, we, we learned different positions to labor in. We did all these different things and it was just really cool for us. Um, and another thing I was doing was listening religiously to birth story podcasts. I listened to the birth hour. I listened to so many different birth podcasts and, uh, I felt like I was just taking little bits of wisdom from all of these different births. I heard how, you know, this mom did that and that really helped and this and that and all these different things. So I kind of had an idea of how I wanted things to go. Um, and then at about 36 weeks pregnant, maybe it was even 34, it was, it was pretty early, I started experiencing prodromal labor. Uh, I would have these contractions that started every day around four o'clock and they would just go and go and go and then I'd go to bed and they'd go away. And this happened almost daily for all the way up until when I delivered. It was really miserable. It was really hard. Um, I requested cervical, a cervical exam at my 39 week appointment because um, I wanted to know what was happening if, if these contractions were doing anything or if they were just there to make me miserable. Um, at this point, I was so bitter. I was so convinced that she was never coming out because um, when the prodromal contraction started, I started thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this baby really early. 
uh, that didn't happen because they just went away every day. Um, so I was, I think I was like two centimeters. So not even as far as I had been with Micah at 36 weeks. And I requested a sweep because I wanted to be done. I was so tired of being pregnant. I felt gross. I felt miserable. Um, I was still underweight. I had put on a little bit more weight, but I was still very underweight and just pretty sick, really. Um, and then, you know, the sweep did absolutely nothing. Uh, it gave me more contractions. <laughs> I got some spotting. It did nothing. It made me more miserable. And so uh, we were actually going to be moving about, I think I, I would be 41 and six the day that we were supposed to be moving, which is a terrible idea, but that was just how it worked out. Um, so at 39 and four, I had a very serious conversation with my daughter in my belly and said, okay, you either have to come out before Tuesday or you're going to stay in until week 41 because we're, we cannot be doing this move while we are having a baby. That is not going to work for me. Um, and thankfully, for the first and last time in her life, she decided to listen. <laughs> I was going to say, did she actually listen? <laughs> she did for the first and last time, seriously. Uh, so I, at, at 39 and 5, I had my usual prodromal contractions. Um, at this point, I was so used to them that I just ignored them. Um, I went through the mile circuit that night because um, my midwife had suggested maybe that would help. Um, and my chiropractor thought that would be a good idea too because she thought that baby might be a little bit asynclitic uh, with her head tilted. And so we were trying, you know, all, all these things to get her in a right position. Um, and I remember I my in-laws were in town to help with Micah and also to help with the move. Um, and so they were all watching a movie in my tiny little apartment living room. I said I was going to pack two boxes and then I was going to go to bed because I was tired of these contractions and I wanted them to go away. Uh, so I went to, you know, I did that. I went to bed and I remember waking up at midnight and realizing that I was still having contractions. And I was like, well, this is new and also super annoying because obviously this baby is never coming. So this is just going to like continue forever. So <laughs> I pulled out my timer and I started kind of timing them. I'd wake up, I'd have a contraction, I'd go back to sleep, wake up, have a contraction, and I'd go back to sleep. And did that all night long. They never really got any closer together. They were about seven minutes apart. Um, and then I woke up in the morning and I like, kind of casually and really cranky said to David, I was like, well, I contracted all night long. And he looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I have a meeting in an hour with my boss. Do I need to cancel it? And I was like, no, because as soon as I get up, these contractions are going to go away. And he's like, well, okay. And I, I'm laying there and I'm still contracting the whole time. He's getting ready. And I get out of bed. Um, or, I Sorry, I didn't get out of bed. He actually texted my doula and said, hey, this is going on. Can you talk to Sam and just tell her to do something? Because she's not listening to me. She doesn't want to get out of bed. So my doula called me and she's like, hey, you, you need to get out of bed. You got to get up. Um, we just need to see if these contractions are going to go away or if they're real and you're, you're in labor. I was like, well, they're going to go away. And she said, okay, so I want you to get up. I want you to do this little circuit. You're going to bounce on your ball. You're going to walk around and you're going to sit on the toilet for 20 minutes each. I said, okay, fine. And I did it. And I walked around for a few minutes. They kept coming. I was like, well, that's annoying. <laughs> and I went and sat on the toilet. And as I was sitting on the toilet, all of a sudden, they were three minutes apart consistently. They were a minute long. They were three minutes apart. 
And so I was like, David, I guess maybe you should cancel your meeting. I don't think this is real, but, you know, this is what's happening. So he's like, okay, we're calling the midwives. So I called the midwives and they're like, yeah, okay. And I was so calm. I could still talk through my contractions. Um, I, I, I would kind of pause, but I could say words through them. And they're like, okay, so in about an hour, you should come in. You need to eat something. You need to hang out. But in about an hour, I want you to come in and we'll see where you're at. So I sat on a ball in my room. I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I guess that's what we do. <laughs> Stop it. You yes. weren't even 24. No, I was I was more than 24 and still eating peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> nothing against 24-year-olds, y'all. I'm just joking. It's just like it's such a kid food, you know? Oh, it's so random. I think it was the only thing I could manage to make for myself. So I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, watching Friends because that's my baby show. And then we went to, uh, you know, we got in the car and David was like, well, I didn't eat. I should grab some food on my way. So we went through a P. Terry's. I'm still contracting. I had to like look out the window and like brace myself during this contraction, like facing the other way because I didn't want to scare this like 16 year old kid who's giving us our food. And so (laughs) we uh, we rolled up to the birth center and, you know, they get me in the room They're like, okay, let's let me go ahead and check you. I didn't even bring in our bags because I was completely convinced that I was going home. I remember I walked in and one of the midwives that had been doing my centering uh, was like, hey, are you having a baby? And I was like, probably not. (laughs) She's like, oh, okay." It's so funny that you were like, and nothing's happening and everything's <laughs> happening, but you were just like still so jaded and cynical that it wasn't going to happen. Oh, I feel like with so second cynical. time babies, that's what we do with second time babies. Like all of a sudden we think nothing's ever going to happen. So we just ignore mm-hmm. everything. With Anson, when, that's my son, I would just sit down and then when I would stand up, I would have a wave. So I was like, well, I should probably just sit then. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean it's going to stop. Yep. That's uh yeah that was that was what I did I I was completely convinced and so they checked me and I was six centimeters because I was obviously in labor and they're like well you're staying here and I was like why what what am I gonna do and they're like you're you're gonna have a baby I was like oh and my uh, my doula had texted us when we were at home and was like you're you're five one one I can come join you and I was like no I want to make sure they're real and so we got to the birth center I didn't text my doula because I was convinced that it was still not real, even after they told me it was real. And so David ended up again texting her and being like, yeah, you you should come. <laughs> and so she came and she didn't do a whole lot, honestly, because I was, I was coping really, really well. Um, they felt to me like the contractions felt like the very early labor that I had with Pitocin with Micah. Um, and I, I was just convinced that like they had to like pick up. And I think that's why I didn't believe that they were real because they just didn't feel very intense to me. Um, I could handle them. You know, I had to breathe through them. I was walking around the room and like bouncing my stomach. And that that was it. That was it. Um, at one point, I started getting this really intense hip pain. And so she was like, do you want to get in the tub? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, totally. And so I got in the tub and there's this really great picture of me in the tub drinking a chai latte that my friend Amanda, who was also coming to this birth, um, brought me and eating like Pringles and gummy bears. Um, Immediately after that picture, they checked me. I was eight centimeters and (laughs) I'm just having a great time. Again, this is not how people's births normally go. Do not take my birth as your birth, but this is how it went for me. Things got a little bit more intense at that point. I had to breathe through them. I was like leaning over the tub and breathing and watching the ripples in the water. And that was kind of how I was handling the waves. 
And then they eventually said I needed to get out of the water because uh, the water was just too hot. I was my temperature was rising and baby's heart rate was rising. So they had me get out. And this is where things get really blurry for me. I don't remember exactly. I went into this like labor land again, like I had that with Micah. Um, I think they brought me to the toilet and I peed and then I got back in bed and I'm sitting there and everyone's gathered around me. And I was like, what? Why are you all here? Like, (laughs) I, I don't know what's happening right now. And then all of a sudden I felt like the baby was coming out of me. I felt like I could feel my body bearing down um, all on its own. I was laying on my side and I just like whispered. David was behind me. My doula was right in front of me. And I whispered to my doula, I think I'm pushing. And she was like, she's pushing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and the midwives came running over. We had a student midwife um, and a and a uh, regular midwife. And so they both were there for my delivery. She propped up my leg and she was like, okay, push. And I was like, I'm going to push this baby out right now. And I did one push. Um, I, she came flying out. Uh, she had a nuchal cord times two or three, I think. So, um, my, my cousin was videoing it and we have this, this video of her unwrapping the of the midwife, unwrapping the cord really fast from the baby. But she came up, she was screaming like a little banshee. She was bright red. She was pooping everywhere. She's ruined so many of their blankets. I felt so bad. My son peed right away. And my there's a picture of my husband <laughs> grabbing a pillow and putting it up so that like to block it. So it's like a scream <laughs> of pee and then a pillow. Even better. Yeah, she she pooped everywhere. Like I was cut all of my first pictures with her. I'm covered in poop because she just pooped all over me. Um, and that was that was her delivery. Um, I, again, had a little bit of extra bleeding. So I had to have a couple of rounds of Pitocin and a couple of rounds of Cytotec with her. And I, ha- again, had some tearing. This time it was a second degree tear, but it was more of like a starfish tear is what they called it. So it was just like all over the place. I had little tears. So my repair took a good long while, which was not not the best of times. Um, when they got me up to go to the bathroom after my repair, I again blacked out. Um, this time they were with me, but this time it was a full blackout. So they had to pick me up off of the toilet, lie me flat on my back. Um, David had been sitting in a chair holding the baby and he saw this happen. And uh, he just stood up really quick and gave the baby to our doula so he could run, come run in and, and help carry me to the bed. Um, I, I came to fairly quickly. They gave me like the smelling salts. I came to fairly quickly, but they didn't want me to walk again. So they carried me with David <laughs> holding me um, to the bed. And that was really intense for him, really scary for him. Um, I didn't really care a whole lot, but I just didn't feel good. I felt, I just felt drained from, I think just from all of that blood loss that I had. Um And so I hung out. They kept me for a little bit longer at the birth center. And then around 2 a.m., they were like, well, if you want to go home, you can. Or if you want to stay here, you can. I was like, okay, I'd like to go home. And so we went home with my little itty-bitty baby. Um, We we drove home. I remember as we were driving up to – we were at um, – William Cannon and Mopac. There's a Whataburger right there. We were going to go get Whataburger because obviously um, as we're driving into the to the Whataburger, I was like, you know, I think I want to be a doula. And that was kind of where my my birth work story began. Ooh, I love that. That's like the perfect ending. And next time we'll go into a little bit more about how we both got into this work and the journey that 
kind of brought us together as being doula partners. So I can't wait to see you guys or hear you guys on the next episode. And until then. Thank you for joining us on birth, baby. Be sure to tune in next time as we explore how we got into birth work and how that evolved into our partnership. We want to thank Longing for Orpheus, who did our intro and outro music. Make sure you look him up on Spotify. Remember to leave a review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.